Hey there, mama. You're listening to the Lift the Shame podcast. I'm your host, Crystal, mama of five and your family's intuitive eating dietitian, here to help you cut through the diet culture clutter so you can enjoy freedom with food as a family. I'm on a mission to help you end the generational legacy of diet culture in your home so you can experience motherhood free from food guilt and body shame. Listen in weekly for guidance on how you can ditch diet culture, heal your relationship with food in your body, and confidently raise intuitive eaters. Let's dive in and lift the shame together. Welcome back to the show, Mama. If you were tuning in last week, then you heard our episode on why intuitive eating might not be right for you as a mom. And I just want to quickly summarize some of those points and also continue that conversation by chatting and talking about other ways that you can continue to support yourself and heal your relationship with food and just make sure that you're staying nourished as best as possible in motherhood. So if you tuned in to episode five, we talked about interoceptive awareness, which is one of the main things that intuitive eating hinges on. And basically, that's the ability to gauge your body's hunger and fullness cues, among other things. And just a reminder that for a lot of us, that's not possible for different reasons. So for example, if you have been struggling with an active eating disorder, those behaviors can really dissociate you from your body's needs. Other examples include just having unresolved trauma in your body. So oftentimes we disassociate from our body and what our body needs as a survival mechanism. Also, if you're neurodivergent, so if you're an adhd or on the spectrum, you might also find it more challenging to register what your body needs and to feed it accordingly to what your body needs. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. And in today's episode, I just want to share some encouragement for you if you're trying to navigate exactly how to feed yourself if you're not really able to connect into your body. And just a reminder too that intuitive eating can be adapted as needed based on what works for you. So, you know, some of the principles of intuitive eating include honoring your hunger and your fullness cues. However, there's other aspects of intuitive eating as well, like rejecting the diet mentality. And those are things that you can actively practice, even if you're not necessarily able to eat according to your hunger and fullness cues. So, you know, it's always important to just remember that intuitive eating is not a one size fits all approach. And feeding yourself and feeding your body and healing your relationship with food is also not a one size fits all approach. So I just want to encourage you as you listen to this and navigate what this might look like in your own life to remember that ultimately you want to become the best expert of your body and what your body's needs are. And again, this can be hard and challenging if you grew up learning to ignore your needs or maybe put off your needs to appease other people's needs. You know, this whole process is very complex and has a lot of layers that we'll dive into deeper over the upcoming weeks. But I just want to encourage you in remembering that it's okay if it's a trial and error process. Sometimes we're trying to figure it out and going through different seasons of motherhood can make it challenging and also put some obstacles in our way that may not necessarily be there permanently. So 
what works for you in this season may not be helpful in upcoming seasons that you might be navigating. So, you know, I, I just like to put that out there because I think especially when you're in eating disorder recovery, it's easy to latch onto something. It's like I want to find something that will work and just, you know, be steady and constant. And it's hard because we as human beings are constantly changing. Our needs are always fluctuating, both physically, emotionally, mentally. And so we want to learn how to just be responsive and start to navigate what our needs are and how to best meet those needs. So when it comes to feeding ourselves, if you can recognize that, okay, I'm not in a season where I can be in tune with what my body needs physically. So, you know, maybe it's harder to gauge hunger right now, or it's harder to gauge fullness cues. So learning to lean on your body as the best guide of what you need may not be a very reliable source for you right now. And that's okay. There are some other ways that you can continue to support yourself and making sure that you're staying nourished and getting yourself what you need, even if you're not actively practicing the, these intuitive eating principles. And I just want to remind you too that, again, being able to eat intuitively is not a qualifying factor for healing your relationship with food. I think that's so important that you understand that because, again, the way that intuitive eating has been promoted and shared on social media and spinned in the mainstream is that, you know, intuitive eating basically is like the ultimate place where you should be to have healed your relationship with food, to have recovered from your eating disorder. And I, I don't believe that that's true because healing our relationship with food looks so different. And again, there's so many different ways to care for yourself that may not necessarily fit all the principles of intuitive eating. So I hope that just gives you a breath of relief because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents. And again, if you are just trying to raise your child to have a positive and healthy relationship with food, I think, again, there's this emphasis that you have to be a good intuitive eater in order to raise an intuitive eater. And that's absolutely not the case as well. And that's what's next week's episode will cover. So make sure to tune in next week as we dive into that particular topic a little bit more. But for today, I just want to give you some pieces of encouragement that you can hopefully take and integrate into your life if you've resonated with this. If you can identify that, yeah, for me, I don't know if I can listen to my body as the best guide of what I need right now. For whatever reason, that is okay. There are still ways that you can stay nourished and continue to heal your relationship with food. So I'm going to talk about a few ways in which you can do that. But one overarching idea that I like to help moms think about is this idea of what's called mechanical eating. And some of you may have heard this depending on, you know, your season, your story. But mechanical eating, and, and again, I need to try to think of a different word than mechanical eating because I think sometimes that can sound a little bit robotic and kind of harsh in a way. But really, essentially, mechanical eating is eating more on a structure and eating more in kind of like a framework, right? And that might sound in direct opposition of what intuitive eating is. 
which I want you to look at this again. I want to encourage you to look through some of the gray areas here. Okay. So eating mechanically, I I like to think about it when I was growing up and starting to drive. (laughs) I I know this probably dates me, but I actually learned how to drive a stick shift car. That's how I learned to drive. And, you know, you have to be really in tune with the car, with the vehicle, with the clutch and the gas pedal and the brake. And it's very active, right? Like everything has to be really engaged in order to operate a vehicle in that way. And when we think about it, on the contrary, if you drive an automatic car, right, you just have to kind of move your stick into the right gear and the car will just go the way it's supposed to. And now (laughs) there's cars that drive themselves. And so, you know, when you think about that, I want you to think about that a little bit when it comes to eating. Sometimes we need to go more into autopilot when it comes to eating in that like we have certain systems set up for us so that we don't have to rely so much on our body to guide us through those decisions. And again, it's not because you can't trust your body or that you can't listen to your body. It's just that you might be in a season right now where there is some disconnect between you and your body's interoceptive cues. So instead of being, you know, like a stick shift mode where you have to be actively engaged with all the systems of the car to make it work, we want to help you shift into more of an kind of like an autopilot, right? Where things are going to happen for you. And I want you to think again, what that might look like when it comes to eating. I've heard from so many of you, and I have also experienced this myself, especially in busier seasons of mom life, that if you just wait for your body to tell you that it's hungry, you might go a significant amount of time without eating anything. And that can, that can again be for multiple reasons. Sometimes just the chaotic season of being a mom, of taking care of you know little people, of constantly putting other people's needs before your own can make it really hard to pay attention to what your body needs. And so we need to help you create some systems in place that can support you in feeding yourself regularly if those body cues are not reliable or if there's just obstacles that are preventing you from listening to the information that your body is giving you. So that is kind of the preface of of what I'm describing when I talk about mechanical eating, where it's not just a robot, like you put something in front of you and just eat it with no sense of connection at all. But it's like we need to put some systems in place to make things happen for you, regardless of what might be going on throughout your day. So I want to give you some examples of what this could look like. So This could look like having some pre-planned eating times during your day where you know I can take a break or I'm planning on taking a break to eat. But, you know, sometimes that's not even enough as a parent, as a mom. Sometimes you can have the best intentions in the world to say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and take a break to eat. But, you know, (laughs) they call it mom life for a reason, right? Like, The inevitable always seems to happen. So even if you have a designated time that you're planning on eating, things might interfere. So 
other things that can help might include setting alarms or reminders during your day to help you eat. And this is especially important when you can't rely on your hunger cues alone to help you understand when you need to eat. I've shared this, I think, I can't remember now, (laughs) but I'm an ADHDer. I was a late diagnosed with inattentive ADHD. And it just, when I got that piece of information, it just made so many things make sense for me in my own brain. But for me, I tend to get really hyper-focused on something that I'm doing. And it makes it hard for me to come out of that mode in order to feed myself. And I can be so involved in whatever I'm doing that it, you know, it's like it is hard to remind myself to eat unless I have some external reminders to help guide me with that. And so setting alarms on my phone or just reminders like physical reminders that will cue me in like, okay, time to take a break, time to nourish your body. That can be really helpful if you're navigating this too. Something that can also be helpful is using your children's eating routine as a reminder for yourself to eat as well. And this can work really well if you already have a, you know, a good flexible structure in place for feeding your kids. And often I find that that is the case where we are able to do things for our kids sometimes that we're not yet able to do for ourselves. And that's okay. You want to be aware of what some of those things are and take advantage of it. So if you are already feeding your kids pretty regularly, you have a good kind of eating system, a good eating routine with them, this can be a great opportunity to kind of piggyback on that. So it's like when you are portioning things out for your kids or putting things out for them to eat, you know, you want to start using those visuals and cues as a reminder to feed yourself too. Sometimes it's easy to remove ourselves from that equation. You know, and this is especially true if you're navigating an active eating disorder or engaging in eating disorder behaviors right now. It's really easy to feed our kids and then sometimes remove ourselves from also feeding ourselves. But I really want to encourage you to try to use that as an opportunity to also say, yeah, like I need to feed my kids and I'm deserving of nourishing my body too. So whether that means putting out something that you're more comfortable eating with along with them, or, you know, just dishing out something for yourself that they're also eating. There's so many benefits to that, including just the modeling and the exampling of taking a break and nourishing yourself. And it also provides opportunity for connection with your children, which is huge as well. I just want to throw some ideas out there and encourage you to choose what works best for you. This is going to look different for everyone. But I think it's just important to understand that, again, like you might not have all the information that you need to feed your body regularly and consistently without any outside prompts. And that's okay. And I can't reiterate that enough, again, because I hear so many moms that, you know, feel like a failure because, you know, you might feel like, oh, I just can't feed myself regularly if left to my own devices. And that doesn't make you a failure. That just means, hey, you might need a little bit more support in this area. And here are some ideas that can help you with that. Other things that can help you with this might include like eating based on portioning versus relying on fullness cues. So I want to explain this a little bit. Sometimes especially if you've had a chaotic relationship with food and don't really 
maybe have a good perception of what normal eating might look like. And again, normal is so nuanced, right? Like normal is different for everybody. However, with that said, eating disorders are very tricky. And sometimes it's easy to manipulate what we're eating and undereat, right? You know, it's easy to portion out something for yourself and say, oh, I think that's sufficient. When in reality, you might actually be needing a lot more food um, than you're giving yourself. You know, sometimes following more of a framework, not necessarily a meal plan per se, although I will say that I've worked with a lot of moms who have had meal plans in the past in terms of just like a guideline or framework of kind of components or exchanges to eat over the course of their day. And sometimes that can be helpful just to give you like a visual example of a regular amount of food that is appropriate for you. Because again, if you go more into like, okay, I'm just going to eat based on what my body feels like eating. But if you're not in a place where you can really connect and engage with your body, you may have a tendency to undereat. And I will tell you, 100% of the time when I've worked with moms on this, there has been severe undereating happening. And sometimes it's not severe. Sometimes it's really subtle undereating, but that can snowball over time. And so just an example of a framework. And again, I just want to preface this by saying that I am not your personal dietitian. And so, you know, none of this should be taken as individual nutrition advice for sure. But, you know, it's important to collaborate with a professional to decipher what this might look like for you. But just as a general framework, when it comes to navigating, like what does normal eating look like? I like to think of this idea of eating about every two to three hours and eating about two to three food components every time you eat. So, Again, this may vary depending on your situation, on your circumstances, but especially if you're recovering from diet culture or chronic dieting or an eating disorder, being able to eat more frequently and feed your body more frequently is essential to helping your body heal. And so eating you know, about every two to three hours is a frequency that generally works for a lot of us who need to see and eat and nourish ourselves more frequently. And, you know, this is somewhat of a meal routine that we would recommend for kids as well, where we want to give them regular, reliable access and eating opportunities so that they can trust that the food that they need is available. And within that framework, they can really flex and develop their intuitive eating abilities that they already have. So again, thinking about, you know, feeding yourself about every two to three hours and, when you eat, aiming for about two to three food components when you're sitting down to eat. So for example, and to me, in my mind, I think of food components not as like food groups, but like food items. So an example of this could be like a yogurt with granola and a piece of fruit. That would be three items. And there's all kinds of ways to mix and match this in order to just feed yourself, like give some nourishment to your body. And it's not to say that having more than that is a bad thing at all. Absolutely not. I think at a minimum, though, aiming for like three food components is ideal because you're you're more likely to get in a variety of nutrients that will help you feel satiated and help your body stay nourished. And I actually have a snack guide that 
describes more of a framework and it works for kids and adults. It's a great resource. So I'll be sure to include that in the show notes if you're looking for more resources to help you navigate this. But sometimes just having a framework in mind can get you closer to what your body needs. And again, it's really easy to want to make rules out of frameworks. And it's important to keep a flexible mentality. You know, having a framework doesn't mean you're adopting a new set of food rules. Because ideally, we want to help you heal from food rules as much as possible so that you can also support your kids and learning how to eat outside of the parameters of food rules. So just keep that in mind. Like You don't want to take a framework and make that a whole new set of rules in terms of how you should eat or what you should eat. It's really just there to give you kind of like guardrails, right? Especially if you're in the season where it's hard to be in touch with what your body needs. So that can be helpful, you know, like, again, within a context, a framework, you're going to have more of a chance of getting closer to what your body needs. And I think this is so important because I see, again, I see so many moms chronically under eating. And this tends to escalate kind of like what I call the restrict binge guilt cycle, right? Like I tend to see a lot of moms chronically under eating during the course of their day, And not necessarily intentionally, you know, sometimes it just happens out of the busyness and the stress of life and, you know, doing all the things that you're likely doing as a mom. But then what I tend to see happens is in the late afternoon or in the evenings, sometimes when the kids have gotten to bed, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like it all catches up with you. And I tend to see sometimes moms going into binge modes where they feel themselves eating uncontrollably, or they're eating large amounts of foods that don't feel good or more than what would feel good in their body. And then following that, it can come hand in hand with just extreme guilt, shame, And that shame and that guilt that's involved with that cycle just perpetuates into restricting again the next day. So I see a lot of moms saying, oh my gosh, I totally screwed up. You know, I ate the whole ice cream carton or I ate the whole bag of chips or whatever it is. And I'm going to, I'm saying this in air quotes, I'm going to make it up tomorrow by not eating, right? So then the whole, the next day starts and the whole cycle starts again where you're maybe skipping eating, just having coffee, going through the whole part of your day or as long as you can without eating until it catches up with your body again. Having more of a framework for yourself can really help just regulate your eating and take some of the chaos out of eating. This is really helpful just for keeping your blood sugar levels stable, for keeping you your energy more stable, and for just helping improve your mood in general. Like again, it's so easy to push our needs to the back burner as a mother. And I want you to understand that your needs matter too. And I know this message is easier to hear than actually practice because so many of us grew up chronically ignoring our needs or not even knowing what our needs are. Like we're so disconnected and so detached from our bodies and our lives that it's hard to even know what our needs look like. And so I just want to encourage you, like I always say that feeding yourself is the most valid form of self-care. You know, there's so many like self-care mantras and ideas and things out there that have good intention. 
But sometimes we stray so far from even just like the basic things that we need, like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, feeding yourself regularly, like eating the scraps off of your kids' plates at lunch does not constitute a meal for you. And I think it's really important that we start challenging some of those ideas, you know, to really help you be in a more peaceful place with food and your body. Whether that looks like following a framework or just having some more intentional times for how you're going to feed yourself during the day. You know, if you have older kids who maybe are going to school or you have kids in daycare, take advantage of some of that alone time to schedule in a meal for yourself and treat it like a meeting, right? Like we show up to meetings and appointments faithfully, but sometimes we have a hard time showing up for ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you to think about how to apply this in real life. And again, like adapting whatever principles or frameworks you need to just nourish yourself more regularly, to help feed yourself more consistently, because just doing that alone is such a first step to healing our relationship with food. And I think sometimes we're trying to do all the things and intuitive eating gets thrown in there and we're trying to eat intuitively without even feeding and nourishing our bodies regularly. So I just wanted to give you some encouragement, especially if you resonate with this idea of just, you know, not really being able to actively practice intuitive eating. It doesn't mean you'll always be there, but for this season of life, it may be helpful to adopt some kind of framework or putting some guardrails in place to ensure that you are nourishing your body adequately because you deserve it, mama. So I'll put some resources for you in the show notes. And as always, would love to continue the conversation. You're welcome to connect with me on Instagram. Or if you go to the show notes, there's a place where you can leave comments or send me a voicemail. If you have more questions about this, I would love to hear from you. So can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift the Shame podcast. For more tips and guidance on your motherhood journey, come connect with me on Instagram at Crystal Cargis. Until next week, mama, I'll be cheering you on. Bye for now.